Various publications have been reporting extensive UFO and alien activity plaguing South America over the last year. The only consistency in the stories being the extraterrestrial activity. Is this a case of mass hallucinations? Or are various Latin American countries being targeted for some reason by unearthly forces? Welcome, welcome, welcome into Killing Miss and Hidden Podcast, your favorite podcast. I hope you knew that we were your favorite, because we are. I am your courageous and gorgeous host. Your words, not mine. Okay. My words, not yours. Uh, Brad, today we're going to step away from true crime for a little bit. Uh, You know, we kind of take the unsolved mysteries approach where, you know, we're going to talk a lot about true crime and missing persons, but we're also going to do some spookier stuff and some fun stuff, some interesting things. And so today we're going to talk about aliens. Yay. Now I stumbled across this particular idea or issue from the mysterious universe website. If you've never been there, you need to visit that website. If you like weird stuff, I mean, they cover aliens and cryptozoology and just unexplained phenomenon, any sort of kind of, paranormal-ish type event you'll see on there. And it's, you know, they've got good writers. They will actually like link to real science articles that discuss phenomenon. It's not just people in tinfoil hats talking about, you know, they think their neighbor's a witch because she spelled vodka. I don't know. I don't know what makes somebody a witch. I assume alcohol has to be involved. Anyway, I'm rambling, but go check out the site. I've got a bunch of links to the stories that I'm telling here. And I found some stories from outside the website. I'm not just totally plagiarizing them. I'm plagiarizing others as well. Um, Before we begin, I got to congratulate some folks, specifically two listeners. They are listener Tiffany and listener Abby. They were the winners of our Facebook giveaway. So yay to them. They will be getting a truckload each of gold coins and bejeweled trinkets and Valuable artwork, and I mean, this this will easily be worth hundreds, maybe even thousands worth of pennies. So if you're not in the Facebook group, you see what you're missing out on? This is why I tell y'all, you know, join. It's cool. You got to answer three little questions to get in, though. I've had to reject like three people this week because I didn't answer the questions. But if you can jump over that little bar... You know, I I like to think I take care of my peoples as best I can. So, all right. Fun episode, UFO episode. Let's jump in. We're starting with what are known as the La Palma incidents, okay? So, this occurs in the La Pampa province or province of Argentina. Our first story, these two stories are very closely connected, but the first story occurred on November 16th of last year, 2021, when a husband reported his wife missing. She's 55 years old. She's got an ailment, so she couldn't get around very well. According to the husband, you know, on a good day, she could walk about half a mile. But he turns around one day and she's just gone from the house. 
And he can't find her anywhere. Can't find any evidence where she left. And called her on her cell phone. Didn't get a response. Called neighbors. They hadn't seen her. So he freaked out. Called the police. Well, they come out. They bring some firefighters. They bring some sniffer dogs. Whatever kind of things they had to assist. And they start this nighttime search. And they, too, can find nothing. No evidence that she walked away. No evidence that... You know, she was kidnapped or that there was some sort of struggle. The sniffer dogs did pick up her scent, but they could only follow it for about 150 meters, which is just shy of 500 feet, before they totally lost the scent. It just disappeared. The search lasted the entire night, I mean, until sunup, and nobody could find anything. But the search ended. Early that next morning, when the La Palma police got a radio or a phone call from police in another town that was 65 kilometers away, 40 miles, saying that they found this woman that claims she lives in this village and she doesn't know how she got here. So they take her to the hospital because she they're concerned about her. Biggest concern being she can't talk. She just totally lacks the ability to talk all of a sudden. Fortunately, that comes back over the next 24 hours. And she tells the story where essentially she says, I don't know. I don't know what happened. I was outside with my husband. He went to go look at something in our garden. I heard this strange noise. I went to investigate and I saw this bright light come from the sky. And the next thing I knew, Two police officers were waking me up from the side of the road in this new town. Now, she, her clothing, pristine. No evidence that she had been hiking all night. No damage to the clothing. It all looked fresh, new, like it had been recently laundered. Her feet weren't cut up in any way. She didn't have scrapes from branches or sharp rocks or anything. As best as anybody could tell, she just teleported 65 kilometers, just like that. You know, a lot of the police officers wrote this story off to as well. Oh, she, you know, she must have suffered a concussion or maybe her age is catching up with her or, you know, maybe she went for a walk and she got dehydrated. But None of the evidence supports that. This is a woman that, again, according to her husband, on her best of days, could maybe get half a mile down the road before she would just give out. And here we find her 40 miles away. Her story, it has lots of holes in it, obviously. You know, it's just one moment she's here, the next moment she's there. She doesn't apologize for that. She just, I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened. That's what she consistently says. When rumors of this event began to spread, a local bus driver went to the police and said, I think she may be telling the truth because I saw some lights in the sky over that roughly where her house would have been. And it was really memorable to him because he said, as soon as I saw those lights, I felt this cold just grip my spine and instantly my fight or flight reflex kicked in and I knew I had to get out of there because I was in danger if I stayed. 
Another interesting point on this case is this woman was one of several villagers who had reported seeing a UFO back in 2002 and were kind of dismissed and poo-pooed. So she's allegedly shown interest in UFOs or has had contact with UFOs in the past. Now, again, I said this was kind of connected to another story. This was part one. Part two is three months later. So that's this February of 2022, this month here. There was a family traveling back home late one night to their village. And it was around midnight and they had reached this kind of natural landmark everybody was aware of. It's this, it's a natural rock or stone archway that has just been created over time through erosion. And as a landmarker, everybody knows that when you find, when you pass that arch, you are about 26 kilometers away from their town. That's about 16 miles. When they're driving by that arch, all of a sudden, in a flash, they are, it's a husband, a wife, and an adult son are riding in the truck. And they are all instantly blinded by this white light that comes pouring in through every window. I mean, like if you took LED lights and put them on the brightest setting and shoved them right up against the glass, that's kind of what they were seeing. But the lights only lasted for like a second or two. And then when they disappeared, all of a sudden, they find themselves driving down the streets of their hometown. They were very confused. And so, you know, Papa stopped the truck and pulled over. And they were kind of discussing amongst themselves what had happened. The wife noticed they had a GPS device. She pulled it off the dash. GPS device showed him still being next to that rock arch or 26 kilometers away. While she was holding it and she noticed it, it kind of glitched out on her and then like reset itself. And when it came back up, it showed them being in the town right where they actually were. And, oh, I didn't mention this, which is kind of important. They all said time didn't move. Like this was literally a two or three second event. It's not like they have missing time. It is literally like they drove through some tour portal and jumped ahead 26 kilometers. It just doesn't make any sense. Now, I lead off with these stories, A, because they're pretty interesting. Two people being teleported out of nowhere for some unknown reason. No one suffers any injuries. It's not your typical alien abduction story where you get implants or they stick a metal probe up your butt. Nothing like that. It's they just teleport. And nobody knows why. There's no sign of harm. Um, apparently, La Palma is a UFO hotspot of sorts, because if you go back to July of last year, there were several reported stories of ranchers finding some dead cattle, mutilated, of course. And so these are all small ranchers, you know, not big time operations. So they... And their work, the owners and the work hands decide, you know, let's just, we're a little scared of what has happened to these cows. So 
let's take the carcasses and drive them off into the woods and just dump them there and let the predators enjoy them. So they do that. Out of curiosity, one of the ranch owners goes out there with a ranch hand uh, to check on the carcasses five or seven days later, something like that. And when they arrive, there's no evidence that any animal has ever taken a bite of any of these dead cows. Even though it's a free meal just sitting there, something has scared the predators off. On top of that, they claim that these cows' bodies have not decomposed at all. There's no evidence of decomposition. It's like they've been fully preserved in this horrible state. Now, another story from this area. There's a UFOologist, which apparently is a real title, who lives near La Palma, not in it, but near it, and his name's Oscar Mario. He's taken an interest in what's going on, so he's kind of been creating a a journal or history or encyclopedia, whatever you want to call it, of these strange events going on. And his big contribution to these stories is he has collected tales from multiple witnesses who have claimed to have seen strange creatures in the woods or underbrush or what have you. And the story's always the same. They are kind of like your traditional shadow people that we hear about. They look kind of tall, fairly thin, but you can't make out any features on them other than consistently they're reported as having red eyes. Apparently, they're very predatory in nature. They are often seen stalking you know, wildlife or um, animals on a ranch or occasionally even other humans. But no one's ever gotten a picture of them. Nobody's got any evidence that they exist other than Mr. Mario here just has a collection of stories from witnesses who insist that they're real. Uh, Mr. Mario is also been pretty aggressive about whenever UFO sightings are made in the area, he will go out there and see if there's any physical evidence. And he actually has found physical evidence of crafts landing where people report UFOs. He's not a scientist, so he doesn't have access to great amounts of equipment, but he's been able to record several measurements um, of what appear to be, you know, the, the feet of the craft or just unusual markings in the soil. And he collects recordings people send him of UFOs in the area, and they are almost always triangular in shape, but difficult to see. Lastly, La Palma is known to kind of infamously for having this strange humming sound. No one can figure out where it comes from. No one can figure out what's causing it. And rather than this being a constant thing, it's a very sporadic thing. So it will only happen, you know, maybe three times a year, maybe 16 times a year. It's very inconsistent. But when it does occur, dogs lose their mind. They start howling and barking and just going crazy in general. 
most people can hear it even when they're inside, like in bed. And a few people hear it so well and so clearly that it kind of makes them sick. They'll report getting headaches, uh, nausea, kind of dizziness, vertigo, things like that. Nothing serious. It usually passes the next day. But in addition to this thing being sporadic, it also apparently moves as lots of other little towns and villages in the La Pampa area have reported the same hum, but it's always limited just to their geographic area. In other words, when La Pampa has the hum going on, nobody outside of the town can hear it. It's only the people inside the town. Now, this has been reported to the police and government authorities multiple, multiple times. It's been going on for decades. And the official response apparently is not to respond at all. These reports are ignored. They're brushed aside. But some people who have worked for the police and who have worked for the government claim that these reports are not being ignored that Argentina's government is actually keeping very detailed logs in an effort to figure out what is going on here. Like every time they get a report, you know, they, they record the time, date, location, and any additional information. And they've apparently been doing this for over 50 years, trying to see if there's some sort of pattern or some other way to guess when the hum's going to come about. A few have claimed that there is a correlation or a pattern that suggests either the hums will pre predict future UFO activity or the hums come on the heel of UFO activity. It's been said both ways. Of course, we don't have the records. We don't know. But, you know, all in all, it seems like this La Pampa place is a weird little slice of the world. So if you're in Argentina or if you ever visit Argentina and you've got a hankering to see some UFO activity, maybe meet a real alien, I would suggest going to La Pampa and see what happens. All right, we are going from Argentina, Brazil, and we've got a really bizarre story here. And it's a little complicated, so I'll apologize in advance if we bounce around a little bit. But what happened was a Brazilian UFO investigator made a formal request to the Brazilian government to receive any and all evidence they had on UFOs. And of course, he's expecting the reply you would expect from most governments. We don't know what you're talking about, you crackpot. Leave us alone. We got better things to do. Instead, though, about a month ago, he received a response. And the response was this packet that was mailed to him. This packet contained 120, page, 120 pages of documents and some CD, some DVDs with videos of UFO incidents on them. All of this has been published on a website that is in my show notes. And it is... If you're looking into it, it is uh, uapbrazil.com, and they call it the Acre Case. 
But again, that link's in the show notes, so you don't have to remember nothing. So here's the deal, okay? All of these reports or all of these documents that were received involve UFO interactions with the indigenous people of Brazil from 2013 to through 2016. And like I said, it's the DVDs have video of UFOs kind of doing reconnaissance for lack of a better term. It's obviously, it's clear it's some object that's flying around in the sky. Uh, in reality, it's a light. You can't see much more detail than that. I mean, maybe folks who have like video software can do more with it, but a goofball like me, that's all I could see. The video footage was apparently captured by a doctoral candidate student who was conducting research in support of her uh, doctoral thesis as she was wanting to get a PhD in archaeology. These reports are also limited to the northwest corner of Brazil. This is an area that's covered with a lot of rainforest, and it is very isolated from the rest of the country. So really, all you've got there essentially are indigenous people and academic types who want to study indigenous people. So the apparently what happened is the government started getting reports of there being encounters between UFOs and indigenous people in 2013 that were occurring regularly. And so the first report I believe that's in these packet in this packet was from July 31st of 2014 and it was the first kind of attempt to memorialize the stories that had been reported and the stories that were being consistently told by these uh, indigenous people were that in their, I don't know the proper term for this. So if this is insensitive and I don't know, I apologize in their tribes uh, at night, an orb would descend from the sky, a small orb, and it would hover about seven feet off the ground. If people were outside and saw this, they would start shining lights into their faces. In this, in the most detailed report, this happened. All the villagers came out. It starts shooting several of them in the face. Everybody panics, retreats to their homes, and the object disappears. Well, everybody who's hit in the face by one of these lights all of a sudden is hit with basically like a migraine horrible headache. They can't really see. They're dizzy, feeling nauseous, and they're just kind of wiped out for about 24 hours. Sadly, one woman from the stress of the event had a miscarriage. She was three months pregnant and her the miscarriage is documented. It's in medical records. So, you know, if, if you want to request them and if you can read Portuguese, you can see that it truly happened. She says that she does not think the light caused the miscarriage. She believes that it was just the overwhelming fear and stress and the subsequent migraine and whatnot all kind of combined to cause her to suffer a miscarriage. Now, these reports kind of suggest that these orbs are visiting these little villages of indigenous people on a very regular basis. Some even suggest, you know, nightly. 
they're going from one to another to another to another. And of course, it's not just limited to Brazil. There's many Peruvian tribes of indigenous people who report the exact same thing, but they have kind of scarier stories to tell. They refer to these orbs as Pela Cara, which in English would translate to the face peeler. Essentially what they claim is these orbs will come down and focus a light on somebody. And as the person's standing there, it will remove where others can see. It's like a invisible arm reaches into this poor person's body and will just rip out the heart or the lungs or the kidneys or whatever. Rip a hole in the skin, take the organ, and then disappear. And there's been several instances of these orbs allegedly taking flesh instead of organs. And so people would allegedly be kind of flayed alive by this light when it came to visit. And that's how it got the lovely name of the face peeler. These reports about the face peeler object, which again seems very similar to the orbs we were talking about at the beginning of the story, um, claim that the sphere is actually about 13 feet in diameter and won't, you know, come down as close to the ground as these smaller spheres that people were seeing. I think, you know, the smaller orbs are seven foot off the ground. These are 50, 60, 70 feet above the ground. And um, once they finish their business, they depart, of course. On the report, on the face peeler thing, the way that the police learned it w about the dimensions and size of that is it visited a tribe that had a team of researchers there. And these researchers had all of this complicated scientific recording equipment, right? So the orb appears, you know, 40, 50 feet above head. They see it, it's about 13 feet. All the researchers run to grab their cameras. They want to take pictures and videos. Some get some other recording devices to try to get sciencey stuff, I guess. But every single piece of electronics they had stopped working as soon as the orb appeared. They could take no pictures. They could take no video. They could take no findings of anything, period. As soon as the orb was out of sight, everything started working again. Now, one interesting thing, too, is... Someone has told these indigenous people, or they have developed the opinion on their own, that these, you know, orbs of death basically are nothing more than a developing prototype weaponized drone that has been developed by the United States and has been sent to prey on indigenous people in South America so it can be tested without anybody being the wiser. Police, when they first started taking these reports seriously, again, they get the first report in 2013, but they don't really start taking everything seriously until the summer, or I guess it's the winter down there, of um, 2014. And they actually decide, you know, to investigate this. And they send officers out to take statements from everybody. They're particularly interested in the poor woman that lost her child. They, you know, the village chieftain or elder, I forget how he identified himself, 
he was very cooperative. He would bring in people to talk to the police. He would help translate because he spoke both their native tongue and Portuguese. And police were kind of enraptured by this idea of something weird going on. And the powers that be decided, okay, we need to stop this from happening. And they set up basically a police watch program over this particular tribe. And for 15 days, two officers would spend the night with these people and wait for something to happen. And for 15 nights, nothing happened. The officers did report that the tribe they were staying with was celebrating a some sort of religious event, and they were relying on uh, hallucinogenic tea as part of their celebration or proceedings. The only thing odd that did occur while police were there was one night they were awoken by the sound of two shotgun shells being fired. And so they get up and they look around and they can't find who did it, where it's coming from, anything like that. The next morning they talk to the elder and he says, oh yeah, I know all about that. Come with me. And so he takes them to meet this man and the fellow says, yeah, I fired my shotgun. There was that orb was coming down and I was trying to protect our village. I fired two shots and I think the second one hit it because I heard this weird noise and then it sped off. There are also reports of orbs from other indigenous folks that say the orbs are only about two feet in diameter. They have a variety of colored lights, which do different things. And they always arrive shortly after nightfall. Additionally, there are people who have claimed to have seen larger orbs come down and actually witnessed seeing as many as three beings inside the orb, all of whom were wearing green. They described it almost like a camouflage type pattern in a way. And at least one tribe claimed that these beings exited their craft only for the tribe to lose their mind and attack them. There's another story of one of the orbs we talked about at the beginning showing up and one of the men in the village deciding to take things into his own hands and he kind of bum rushes the orb with his knife. He has a machete or something similar to that. And as soon as he brings his arm down to strike it, it just vanishes. The police report all of this. And again, this is all in the packet that was sent to the UFO researcher. And they reached the conclusion that the reports we're getting are too inconsistent. And we've seen nothing ourselves to suggest that there's any truth to them. So they kind of left it as a bit of a hoax. But they continued to monitor it. And I believe one of the last reports in this packet of documents was from February of 2016, where the tribe the police had gone and spent the night with for over two weeks claimed that the object had come back. And there's actually apparently, not apparently, I saw it. I just couldn't read it because it was in Portuguese. But 
assuming it's not being misrepresented, this object approached the village, but 18 members of this tribe were called upon to defend the village, and they fired uh, shotguns and rifles and whatnot into the air at it. One man apparently made a clean hit on the orb and instantly was struck by what was described as a blue lightning bolt, which knocked him unconscious for about a day. This story was given more credence than some of the others only because there was a professor from a local university there who witnessed the entire event. And he was there to study the how these indigenous people, basically their housing habits, their camping habits. And this is not stated in any report, but I guess I assume that a guy like that's probably not very creative. He's probably not much into sci-fi movies and stuff. So it's unlikely he would make up a story. You know, he's there to study their, how they, you know, build houses. He doesn't care about UFOs, but he was right there with them when they reported it to the police. And so it was added into this packet. If you go to that website, like I said, there's the DVDs have been uploaded uh, you can watch and see uh, strange lights moving overhead where these villagers supposedly are. Um, there's really no context provided to them other than that. There are multiple reports that have all been translated into English. So there's a Portuguese version and English version, depending on what your native tongue is, that you can read. And it's it's got some very interesting reports in it. And it goes, or it appears to go pretty high up the chain of command within the Brazilian government. All right, we'll leave Brazil now and head over to Venezuela. So in January of this year, 2022, several people witnessed kind of a squadron of UFOs, a small one, I guess, three UFOs, flying over the sky southeast of Caracas, the capital city. And these three objects were moving at an incredible rate of speed, but also were doing maneuvers that shouldn't be possible at that rate of speed. In particular, they did a series of what was described as pirouettes. And when they finished their pirouette training, shall we call it, the three objects just blipped out. They vanished. They disappeared. Now, one person who saw this had enough uh, presence of mind to record the event. And an expert was called in to review the recording and verify it. And the expert said, you've got an object here. It's lighter up front. It's darker in the back. It's got some sort of wing to it, but it's clearly, you know, it, it's not a bird. It's not an insect. It's nothing that's naturally occurring. It's some sort of man-made or alien-made vehicle of some sort. He, The expert didn't release the video either. He did release, I think it was six still frames from the video. And it's your typical grainy, kind of fuzzy, potato-quality pictures. In my own opinion, from having looked at these stills, I think you would have an easier time convincing me that it was insects rather than 
anything man-made, but we'll just go with what this expert says. If for no other reason than it's more entertaining than being in the real world, right? This story, for whatever reason, caught a little bit of fire in Venezuela and people reacted to it with lots of theories. Some think, you know, Venezuela is not in a great state of affairs right now. Maybe those three craft were actually military craft that were on some sort of operation that the government didn't want disclosed, or it's possible that the three craft were some sort of surveillance drones that were being sent out to kind of monitor the area to make sure there was no problems going on, shall we say. Now, on January 18th, we have a much more convincing photo that was taken of a possible alien craft. It was captured by a woman walking her dog at night, and she looked up and she saw the moon, and she thought it was just unusually lovely that night, so she wanted to take a picture of it. She took six pictures and, you know, finishes the walk with the dog, gets back home, is chilling, goes through to look at the pictures again, and in the background of all six of the pictures is this weird craft. It looks like two cylinders that are connected by a square in the middle. So, you know, in other words, they look like the letter H. Now, this woman isn't some sort of UFO researcher or anything like that. She's actually a state-employed geographer. And so, you know, she's got some training in the sciences and being rational and whatnot. And she very much takes that approach in describing these photos. She says, you know, I don't, I don't know what this is. All I can tell you is I did not see anything next to the moon when I took this picture. I did not see anything next to the moon when I was looking through my phone camera's, you know, viewfinder. It wasn't until I got home and the pictures were saved that I noticed this green letter H craft. And it appears in all six photos, and it's kind of in the background of all six photos. There have been, related to all this, there's been a string of reports. That's the latest one that I'm aware of. But basically from March of 2021 through to January, there's been consistent reports in Venezuela of people spotting UFOs in the night sky. And a surprising number of them involve a military base that's of some importance or renown. I don't know enough about Venezuela's, you know, military policies or defense strategies to be able to discuss that, but apparently super important military base, lots of UFOs flying around it. Now, oddly, not any of these videos have been made public. We just have some photographs and those stills that have made it into the media, but the government has said that it has seen the videos. In one report that was reported by one newspaper, um, the government uh, government spokesperson said, you know, we're aware of these videos. We've looked at them. We've studied them. But rumor has it, it's one of those deals where the government hears about it, comes, takes the video, and it's never seen again. All right, I know that was a quick stop in Venezuela. We've got to get back to Argentina because La Pampa is not the only place weird things have been going on in Argentina. 
In fact, I've kind of got just this laundry list of random events that have happened. And we're just going to go through them one at a time. There's no evidence they're connected in any way. It's just a bunch of weird crap happening. First of all, um, there's photos of a cylindrical object that was seen above the skies of Entre Rios, a town out in Argentina, obviously. Um, two photography experts have examined this video and determined that they have no idea what the object was. It was clearly moving. It clearly had no obvious means of propulsion. So they couldn't even give a guess as to what they were looking at. They actually took it. These experts took it to two advanced rocket technology companies based in Argentina. They both looked at the videos, had people consult on it, and they couldn't identify it either. They said, if that's rocket powered, it's a rocket we've never seen before. Our second story is just a story. There's no photographs or video associated with it, sadly. But on January 1st of this year, several residents of Arita witnessed a strange craft in the night sky just after midnight. It was described by witnesses as being this phosphorescent green light, and it illuminated the entire sky. This was not a craft that hovered in place, though. This was, it was on a mission. It was going somewhere. And so everybody who saw it just said it was like this comet just shooting through the night sky at an unbelievable speed. And some even claim that when it would make small adjustments to where it was going or what at altitude it was flying at, sparks would actually appear in the atmosphere. But again, no, no photographs or anything of that. More recently, on February 13th, a man took a photograph of a very bright object that was hovering near the beach at Nichochia. No, Nicochia. I think that's right. Probably neither one's right. We're going with Nicochia. It was described as being roughly triangular in shape. And it had red and green lights. And so it would kind of, it wouldn't, it's not like on a modern day airplane where we've got different colored lights that flash. This craft more would kind of glow red and then it would die out and then it would glow green. Then it would die out and it would glow red again. And it just hovered there up in the sky above the ocean for approximately two minutes, according to this fella. And when those two minutes were up, you know, it, it hadn't moved at all other than it kind of looked like it was being pushed by the winds back and forth a little bit. But at the end of those two minutes, all of a sudden it kicks into action and it does a nosedive straight into the ocean and disappears. In Tresoros on December 3rd, two residents reported seeing what I could best describe as a hockey puck-shaped object that was flying very quickly, but at a very, very, very low altitude. Like, it was knocking shingles off of homes types of altitude. Um, they didn't react quickly enough to be able to record the event, unfortunately. 
but they said, you know, this wasn't a plane. This wasn't anything we had seen before. This was a white disc that was flying way too low, way too fast. Our final little quick story from Argentina is my favorite of all the stories we're covering today. We talked about Mr. Mario and his reports of seeing these black red-eyed creatures that would stalk wildlife and stuff in Argentina. There's, there's lots of reports of something very similar, and it may be the same thing, except the red eyes are left out of the story. Lots of motorists claim that when they're driving at night down a rural road, they will, you know, take it, come around the bend, come over a hill or something like that, and they'll see something standing on the side of the road ahead of them. Their headlights can't really illuminate it. It's almost always black, very tall, very emaciated looking. And it just stands there and watches their car go by. And as soon as they pass by, this thing jumps into action and it starts chasing the vehicle. And of course, the driver freaks out, as any sane person would, and starts driving faster. Well, the creature keeps pace with the vehicle. It doesn't matter how fast you go, the creature keeps pace. And in fact, what the way these encounters often end is the creature gains on the vehicle, gets right up to the rear bumper, or sometimes up to where the rear tires are. And at that point, it'll just say, I'm out of here. And it will make a sharp 90-degree turn to the left and run off into the nightness, into the night without slowing down one bit. It never runs to the right. It always, it always crosses the road. So I guess if you're driving on the wrong side of the road, it may go uh, the opposite direction. But it's, it's always when it, it consistently when it stops its chase, it departs by crossing the road. I don't know why that's important, but that's always pointed out. One man actually reportedly got mad when the chase was over and slammed on his brakes, pulled out his flashlight and his handgun and went to try to chase down this monster. He ran into the woods, shouting, screaming, shines light every, everywhere, never found it. Now, I know that I said that these are usually black. There are reports of these same creatures, but being white. And it's unclear whether the white is from like a jumpsuit or if it's kind of the skin color, you know, but on the white creatures, it's apparently easier to make out their facial features and they kind of have none. They're just very, the best way I know to describe it is it's if you ever, you know, played with clay and you would roll it out to make like a worm like shape. And then he did that to build kind of a stick figure. That's kind of what you're dealing with here. Now, the reason this is my favorite group of stories is for this one specific encounter that occurred. There, um, these figures are, again, they appear all over Argentina, but they're known to kind of be 
concentrated, perhaps, in a small town known as Enojos. And they're known as the ghosts of Enojos. And one day there was a road construction crew that was in the area of Enojos. And they were laying down a new road or fixing a road or whatever. But one of the workers, um, you know, nature called and he just couldn't miss this appointment. And so he runs off into the woods to take care of his business, finds a nice little alcove kind of behind some trees where he's got some privacy. And he squats down, he drops his drawers. And just as he's about to do his business, one of these creatures comes out of the brush or the bushes, except rather than being six or seven feet tall, it's only about two foot tall. And the creature runs up to him, kicks him in the butt, and runs away. And the kick apparently instantly causes the guy's butt and then the rest of his body to grow just extremely cold. He said he felt all the strength leave his body. His legs couldn't support his weight. He fell over. He tried to yell for help, but he couldn't make any noise. He tried to crawl, but he didn't have the strength to move. Well, obviously, after about 20 minutes of not seeing him, his co-workers are either annoyed or worried. So they go looking for him and they find him with his, you know, he's laying on his belly with his pants around his ankles and his moon shone to the world. Uh, but he looked very sick. Like, you know, as funny as that sounds, they were very concerned. And uh, so they picked him up, they threw him in the bed of a truck and they raced to the nearest hospital. When they get there, he's presenting as tremoring, having tremors or almost seizing. He cannot speak at all. His blood pressure is jumping up and down. I mean, it's like, it looks like a roller coaster ride and he's having heart palpitations. And so they immediately admit him, you know, do a full workup and all that, stabilize his blood pressure, his heart calms down, and they can't find anything wrong with him. So they kind of write this up to some sort of nervous breakdown. After three days, he's able to start talking again, and he tells the story. He doesn't describe the creature as alien in nature. He says it's to him it was an imp or a goblin. But regardless... If you're ever in Argentina and you really want to play a good prank on one of your buddies, a very, you know, hilariously juvenile prank, then I think you should take him over to Inyohos and have him use the bathroom out in the woods and see what happens. And with that, we've completed our circuit. We are done with our topic for the week. I hope you enjoyed it. There really are a ton more stories out there. I don't know what it is, but South America is just getting bombarded with UFO sightings, UFO encounters, alien encounters. I kind of, you know, threw out some of my favorites that I ran across, but literally just go on YouTube and look for it and you'll find tons of videos about these things. I even stumbled across and I should have included the link and I, I didn't, but and the reason I didn't is that I couldn't confirm where the video was from, but there is a video of one of these creature, these roadside creatures we talked about, um, a white one that's just there standing creepily. And some guys on 
little dirt bikes. They look like a gang of dirt bikers. It's adorable. Um, come up on it and, you know, they shine their light on it. Of course, the guy working the video can't keep his focus on the creature. So it's kind of tough to make out, but it's a weird looking thing. But again, I don't know if that was from South America or not, and I'm not going to compromise the integrity of my title. So, um, but again, those are just some of the stories I found that I liked. If you dig in, I'm sure you'll find plenty on your own. I am not a UFOologist, although now I want to be one. So there's not really anything for me to analyze here. Um, you know, I'm just presenting them. Have fun with them. Believe them. Don't believe them. You know, it's it, it, the Brazilian stories. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of evidence to back that up. Maybe they are being visited by strange craft, but police were there. Police didn't find anything. You know, the, the alleged face peelers, no one's produced a flayed body that supports this. There's no evidence of organs being ripped out of people's chests. Um, you know, that one, I, I kind of poo-poo. On the other side, the teleportation stories, especially the one where the poor woman, you know, was sent 65 kilometers away from her house, um, just really are difficult to explain. And I thought were interesting. So naturally, I let off with my best shot there. As far as announcements, I don't think I really have much this week. It's just, you know, y'all are the engine that drives this podcast. Y'all are constantly flattering me with how many times you're following us on Instagram, following us on Twitter, you know, sharing our stuff, subscribing to our podcast. Uh, you know, we'd appreciate it. Please keep doing that. If you're social media oriented and you haven't followed us on Instagram or Twitter, please do so. We would love to have your support there. Facebook, obviously we've got a Facebook group. Uh, just did a giveaway for it. Like I said, at the top of the show, we'd love to have you join there. That's not growing as fastly as the others, but I get it because Facebook kind of sucks. But, you know, we got a group there. It's a private group. We share weird things in there all the time. Uh, one way you can really help us too is through like message boards, particularly Reddit. Um, you know, if folks are asking for a true kind podcast, we'd love to have you recommend us. Cause I think that means a lot. If you haven't left us a review, we'd love a five-star review from you. If you feel like you can't give us five stars, I would love to know why. Um, because I'm trying to grow and do a better job as a podcaster. And so if you've got some tips, I'd love to hear them. Uh, if you haven't subscribed to the show, I don't know what's wrong with you. You need to, so that way you don't miss an episode. Um, but that's kind of it, you know? Um, I will, I, I, I want to say this too. I love, love, love interacting with folks. I've had a lot of folks from our case last week on Jessica Chambers and, emails and theories about what they think we're going on. Love that stuff. Love hearing it. Please share uh, any of your thoughts anytime. All right. Palette cleanser, palette cleanser. We got to do this, right? This was the one Mr. Eli submitted last week and I kind of punted to this week. Um, I'll be honest to me, it's a bit of a groaner, but maybe you love it. What is an arsonist's favorite movie? So if you, you know, got a thing for arsonists, you want to show them a movie to impress them. What movie are you going to pull out to really catch their eye? 
you would pick, if you're as smart as Mr. Eli, the movie The Fast and the Furious. Yeah. So, again, I hope you enjoyed that one. That's it, kids. Go out. Be awesome. There's enough crap in this world. We need as many people doing nice things as possible. So I'm going to ask you all to do that. Do something nice for somebody that somebody can be you. There's no reason in the world why it can't be you. So you want to eat? I'm a cookie guy, as you all know. You want to eat cookies for dinner? Eat cookies for You're an adult. Who's going to tell you otherwise? Um, but just, you know, know that Daddy Brad loves you and will always be here for you. And I'm very proud of you all. So never forget that. Until next time. This is Brad saying out. You survived another episode of Killing Missing Hidden, the podcast about bad things. Join us next time for another true and thrilling story.